This is ILX. Hello and welcome back to ILX Podcasts. For this next episode of our Women in Project Management series, we're discussing the crucial role that education, innovation and representation play in the future of project management, and more specifically, the future women of project management. I hope you enjoy these podcasts, and if you do, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And as always, if you want to get in touch with us, all of our contact details will be in the description box of this episode. Hi, I'm Anita Figuera. I'm Shalina Samani. My name is Sarah Bostock. I am Baharez Sir. I'm Sophie Osborne. I'm Noor Jahan Katoon. My name is Alice Crabtree and I've been joined by some absolutely incredible women for this podcast series who've kindly agreed to share their stories and experiences as women working in project management, along with their thoughts on diversity. I never would have thought that my career would be about trains and uh, that I'd enjoy it as much as I had. So I think there's a whole lesson in here about getting to children actually when they're children and opening up the range of career possibilities that are there for them. It's all there for the taking, you know, so so people can access the academy, you know, free of charge. It's globally accessible at point of need. So people can just, you know, tap into it as and when to sort of boost their own personal and professional development. And I think, you know, I like to think that that's really helping to empower people to drive their careers forward. We teach people how to treat us. Mm. So if we are going to respond abrasively, then what you've done is reinforce that that behaviour is okay. So so we, we have to teach people how to treat us consistently. Throughout this series, we've discussed how important diversity is for everyone, particularly in project management. But how do we ensure that the practices and efforts we put into place now continue to influence future generations of project managers? Well, educating and encouraging more women to get involved in project management seems like a pretty good place to start. I think education is something that we need to talk further about. And and off mic, we were talking about the the balance of students at different universities, different courses, that kind of thing. And I think one of the ways that we can empower the women of the future is to encourage our children um, to represent at colleges, universities, different ways of learning and, and appreciating that these days, certainly in the UK, Not everyone can afford to go to university, um, and and that in itself is a big hurdle. Then we can talk about lots of the free opportunities there are online with not just YouTube, but professional um, videos on LinkedIn and other sites that are offering all kinds of free online education. But I think Bahar was mentioning about proportionality um, of, of young women representing in these so-called male professions well yes um, your background is architecture architecture Mm. both my parents are architects um, and um, in the years they were at uni in 1960s um, they were saying you know 50% female 50% male Uh, same in the year I was in 1983 I entered Mm. Um, but I was astonished you know when I was doing uh, at a very later age, um, 2010, um, postgrad, um, the cohort was uh, 52, only seven female. Mm. Um, and that was a bit of a shocker to me. Um, and, um, you know, underrepresentation, very much so. Uh, and why um, it is considered a male, male job. 
how do we inform <coughs> young people so that and, and young women specifically so that they recognize that actually they have the innate capabilities and will be supported mentored and and directed to, to help them grow into their careers not, in project not only management. that uh, project management is uh, a kind of uh, <coughs> role that you can stop and start absolutely it's not like it's going to go backwards you're going to lose your uh, ability to be a project manager yeah. is extremely suitable to have a pause uh, from a career you know take a mm. career break and and return to um, so i think that's something you know we need to celebrate <coughs> and and um, make sure people appreciate it um i have been in railway and construction and I fell into it because I never would have thought that my career would be about trains and uh, that I'd enjoy it as much as I have. So I think there's a whole lesson in here about getting to children actually when they're children and opening up the range of career possibilities that are there for them because I certainly thought trains and transport was going to be really boring and it's been far from that. I think um, we need to recognise, this is Mahan by the way, so I'm not knocking for it generally. No, no. I think we need to recognise that as a country, we are behind many other countries who are leading ways in different areas by 20 odd years, you know, so, and that's something we need to acknowledge. I think once we acknowledge that, then um, obviously representation is absolutely key in, in doing that. You spoke about training constructions. I've been on HST programme, High Speed Rail, for five years. And when I was a director on that program, um, I don't, I'm not from that background either. I have no idea. It was a steep mm. learning curve for me. Mm. And that experience taught me that just by applying, people around me appreciated that representation, even though I was just the one. And that is how you're going to teach others about representation. Yeah. That is how you're going to impact and have change and bring that change about. Mm. By the time I left after five years, there was so much more diversity within the team and they were more willing to be inclusive. So HS2 is a private entity. Department of Transport is a civil government policy department, typically. And being able to bridge the, those two was very powerful. Mm. And I felt as though I actually had a genuine impact other than doing my role there. But I can remember I, I was fortunate enough when APM introduced the higher apprenticeships for, for project managers. I, I wrote and developed mm -hmm. and delivered a programme um, and had various cohorts and so on. And it was wonderful to see the growth and, and particularly some of the women that were from all kinds of backgrounds, including rail mm -hmm. and so on. And working with them and watching their confidence grow and, and their place in mm -hmm. the organisation become more real to mm -hmm. them. And it was as though they joined, and, and this was a graduate scheme that in particular where they joined with, with intellect and academic experience mm -hmm. and, and fairly advantaged in terms mm -hmm. of being able to get to uni and things like that, but then came into this very masculine very physical workspace and weren't sure how mm. they fitted mm. and watching them grow and develop and mm -hmm. and to the end of the apprenticeships where they do their own presentations and and so on was phenomenal yeah. and and now of course i get to see their careers developing on linkedin and mm -hmm. and they're promoting what they're doing but they're also championing the next group of right. graduates and and i think we were talking about what organizations can do some organizations are doing a really good job of following a university model mm -hmm. and having the more experienced students from university lead the experience for the newer people coming in. And you're starting to see the, the graduate and apprenticeship success mm -hmm. now being the ones that are guiding and mentoring the next group of grads coming in. So that kind of learning by doing mm -hmm. and, and leading by example and achievement yeah. also is empowering. Well, I think, I think, again, you know, sort of 
keeping it gender neutral you know what I would like to sort of see and and we do actively encourage the academy is the uptake of the professionalism mm. so we've got a lot of um, you know tools and techniques available to people to help apply program management on the job learning we've also got some fantastic training um, you know provided by uh, our kind of core learning providers and you know there's it's all there for the taking you know so so people can access the academy you know free of charge it's globally accessible at point of need so people can just you know tap into it as and when to sort of boost their own personal and professional development and i think you know i like to think that that's really helping to empower people to drive their careers forward and it's there for the taking you know quite frankly there is great sort of career pathways and opportunities within Rolls-Royce, you know, that you can have several careers within your time at Rolls-Royce. And as we've already said, we've outlined project management in this company takes you to all sorts of different places. Yeah. So I think it's it's a little bit about the individual and what they want, actually, and, and their lifestyle choices and their career choices. But, you know, what we're passionate about through our roles within the, the Programme Management Academy is to provide those enabling assets to people to really excel them and um, I think celebrating that success is is something that we really want to continue to do within the company I think that's important and we don't do enough of that yeah. you know mm-hmm. we do we achieve some great things you know and it's it's just it would be nice to take a little bit more of that reflection of what we have achieved and really celebrate that I think it's incredibly important to celebrate success yeah. because the only way you do improve is if you get feedback and if that feedback is constructive there's no point if it sort of you take it it's completely negative because it has a negative impact on your well-being or you can be really stressed about it it needs to be something that possibly another individual can help you work on Mm -hmm. and I think that's what is missing it needs to be the how to take it forward not what you did wrong being in my role I recognize that there's certain things that I can push and there's certain things I can bring to the table that's a new concept. So, for example, I fought very hard for one of my one of my sort of um, associate directors to go on a paid secondment to IPA, Infrastructure Project Authority, mm-hmm. that are based in Cabinet Office, to develop a work strand around their objective to deliver diversity and inclusion because they work across mm-hmm. government, across Whitehall. So fighting for her to do a fully paid secondment for a year... Mm-hmm with the caveat that they bring everything back to the department I'm, I'm in yeah. so that we trial it, so we can trailblaze it across mm. government going mm. forward. Amazing. But then, at, so I was thinking a little bit long, longer term, more strategic here. Good. What that eventually did was the department that she's been seconded to can't give any resources to her. So by being at an ethnic, black and ethnic minority graduation, it's a talent programme graduation, she gave an impromptu sort of presentation about the work that she's doing because mm-hmm. that affects everywhere in, in the department. As a result of that, she's got 10 people that came up. Well, now she's got, she had more than 10 people come up to say, can we please have some work experience in the project delivery mm-hmm. space? Good. Because after the talent programme, what usually happens, and it's something we need to recognise is across many departments is that um, they cater for trying to get more diverse people for junior grades. Mm-hmm. But once I've done the 12-month programme, well, what's the aftercare? What's yeah. the transition mm-hmm. into a role? Because you just invested 12 months of yeah. learning into them right so people came up to her now she's got 10 people working for her but full-time mm. equivalent of two ftes full-time employees here between now and end of june 
But now it's giving me, because I was thinking forward, this is how I can affect change in this space, in my space that mm -hmm. I'm in at the moment. I'm literally on the verge of getting a green light where I'm on a pilot, a similar model, whereby over a six to nine month period, I give them work experience. Because when people that go on these talent programs, they don't have the work experience to then demonstrate in the future applications that this mm -hmm. is how I have dealt with this particular example and how I delivered on this. And I'm in a privileged position to be able to <coughs> arrange something like that. But you have to be able to recognise what is surrounding that you're in an environment, understand what you can and can't mm -hmm. push, mm -hmm. and then actually take action. And you know, even though I, must, I say it myself, you have to be a little bit brave. And if you don't don't ask, you won't know. Yeah. What's the worst they're going to say is no, right? Yeah. Yeah. But not be afraid yeah. to hear that no. And it's, it's, it's working. And it's now having a dominant effect. Now people mm -hmm. are thinking about it. It's, it's great. The, sort of parallel to that is this mm -hmm. apprenticeship. Um, I am uh, thinking that there is a lot of um, energy around younger generation. Yes. Uh, I, d I do not see a change of career um, apprenticeship come That's up a good point, fast. Though. You know, yeah. uh, th th they're not fast and furious. Yeah. Yeah. And um, internship. So when people yes, are taking a career break. as well. Mm. Absolutely. So um, it, it would be lovely if, mm. if that, and, and what you keep talking is about the transferable skills. And this is exactly what you would then address. Mm -hmm. So here, here you go, my previous example of the head teacher. You have somebody who has never been in this particular uh, discipline of construction. Let's say, um, and and you've given that opportunity to, yeah. to the people. Some I, I have um, somebody on LinkedIn who asked me, you know, do I kn do you know anyone Bahar in your uh, sort of connections? I don't want money. All I want is to shadow somebody. Yeah. All I want to is There's just an a little awful lot of need step. for that. And and you know, um, she, I think her background is chemistry. I forget mm. now. Uh, but so he he go. There is all these people willing, but I, I don't see where I can actually uh, give that opportunity. And to I them. think in that example as well, like that person at least is fortunate enough to say I can shadow without mm. being paid. But actually, a lot of people don't have that privilege True. or that advantage to say actually i need it to be earning money so i think apprenticeships are great for guessing people the right start but actually you're right no more needs to be done at different levels i think there's a responsibility for chartered organizations like apm and i think mm. they have a, a very integral mm. role to play in this but i really feel that there needs to be we need to do it individually on our, in our own respective mm. industries and mm. forums but in also there needs to be essentially driven agenda personally. But but I think that's up to us on the ground to drive that agenda. I mean the, the chartership body. I mean APM is is led by mm -hmm. Debbie Dore at the moment. Mm -hmm. So female leadership. I'm, I'm sure most of you are aware. Chartership was a huge battle mm -hmm. that was fought over a number of years. But but where we are now in terms of even having the capability to recognise mm -hmm. that, you know, you can achieve chartership without a degree, yeah. without a formal academic Absolutely. background, without even having to have been a project programme or product manager mm -hmm. or portfolio manager just by virtue of working yeah. in the project space. Mm -hmm. So so that in itself is allowing people access to recognition, um, the CHPP mm -hmm. in this instance. There's also fellowships, registered mm -hmm. professionals, all of this kind of thing. So the fact that these recognitions and awards are available now allow people to gain status mm -hmm. from an employability point of view. And I think that's something else that we need to promote more. And in the same way as Anita said previously about, well, do I ask, do I step mm -hmm. up? Or when you were saying, you know, shall I go for this job or not? Mm -hmm. It's a similar thing. We as women need to encourage women to go for these achievements and recognitions mm -hmm. and recognize that we are worthy of them. 
Going hand in hand with education, representation is integral to paving the way for future women in project management. Ensuring that everyone can see and feel that they have a place in their respective workforce is by no means a small task, but we've got to start somewhere. Not everybody is on the same playing field. We yes. know that. Yep. But I think it's just, again, I've said this before, it's just about whatever industry that we are individually in, we have to make sure there's representation mm. there for women to allow women to be able to utilise whatever is at, a, is at the disposal. Mm. Um, Lily, by example, is, is one of the easiest ways by doing it. So I think it's about educating ourselves about what is our rights, legal rights, what you know, what rights do we have as an individual, understanding what that policy is within the company that you're in or the mm. sector that you're in. Um, if you don't have a particular policy that caters for, uh, you know, um, mothers phasing themselves back in mm. after after giving birth, for example, you know, yeah. find out what is what's existing out there. If the current policy doesn't support that, well, then there's an opportunity for you to maybe flag for your line manager that this is what's happening in that industry. Mm. This mm. is an exemplar. Yeah. Why don't we do it? And I think there's loads of things that we can do mm. individually, mm. find like-minded people within your circles in that company or industry so you can actually have a slightly bigger impact. You have staff... And, and have the conversations yes, about, exactly. you know, and, and not just uh, around parenthood, because I appreciate for some women that mm. isn't even a possibility. Yeah. But there's bereavements, there's yes. other commitments, and you spent mentioned about caring mm. as well, or illnesses and, and, and you know, other let's say, major accidents mm-hmm. that require a time of absence from work mm-hmm. in order to return, those paths can be quite difficult. And, and you can be rejected simply by being absent yes. mm-hmm. or thought less of or inferior yeah. in some way because you're part-time mm-hmm. at home and yeah. things like that. So, again, we're back to this climate thing yeah. of, of setting the expectations within not just the organisation but locally within your but team I think also of acceptance. About educating and raising awareness. <laughs> Absolutely. And I say that because... If if my line manager hasn't been through a similar experience, mm. they don't understand. They won't understand, yeah. so they won't they won't give me that leeway. So yeah. I'm somebody that I do have caring responsibilities. Mm. I have character productive characteristics that I need to be mindful of, mm. and I do my best to lead by example. But it makes me much more sympathetic towards my team exactly. members mm. when they have a personal circumstance. Yeah. I'm very very flexible. But what has what positive come out of that is that that flexibility I've given them and me adapting mm. to that. It's about me understanding how my how that individual team member of my team works, mm. and then seeing how that got to work in a flexible situation. But it's a partnership, yeah. isn't it? it it's is a trust exactly. and it's and communication. It is trust, but I have seen productivity soar through the roof. Because yeah. if you treat people well, then Absolutely. they're loyal yes. and they're Go productive. Go the extra mile. Yeah. And, yes. But I think the thing to add there is, what does well mean for that person? Yeah. Mm. It's about the values yeah. thing yeah. again. Is is if that's how they feel appreciated mm-hmm. and valued, exactly. that works. For somebody else, it's actually being able to sit at your shoulder every yeah. day yeah. and learn directly mm-hmm. for you. So it's that adaptability yeah. and, and mutual respect yeah. and trust. But yes, make mm. them feel valued in a way that's relevant to yeah. them mm. as and much as you can in And that plays the whole diversity inclusion. Because yes. again, it's not just about colour and size. It's also no. about working patterns and disabilities yes. and other stuff like that. Yeah. And, and appreciation. Open, open conversation. Yes. Yes. And, and yeah. having the environment to have the open conversation. That's that's what's desired. Yeah. And, and having sufficient breadth of perspective to appreciate that not everybody does things your way, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, and, and being able to learn and, and grow from that as well. In an ideal world, we'd all be living and working in environments where our individual and collective wants and needs are respected equally. But sadly, that's not always the case. 
Something as seemingly small as language and tone of voice, for example, what we do and what we don't say, can have a huge impact on those around us. So how can we respond when we're in a situation where, through someone's language and subsequently their actions, our needs and the needs of others around us aren't being respected as equally as we'd like? I don't know whether any of you have experienced this, but when it, particularly when it comes to the language of diversity, and I think a lot of people, in my experience, are kind of like, oh, here we go, like there's another mm. thing I've got to use, there's another yeah. pronoun I've got to use, or another yeah. person that mm. I've got to try to accommodate, and they see it as a negative. Yeah. How would you, in a professional setting, how would you deal with that? God, there are so many responses <laughs> to this one. I mean, you, you start off by simply saying, I often get the thing about your name's difficult. No, it isn't. It's unusual to you, mm. but it's not actually difficult. Yeah. So perception is everything on that yeah. one. And and just because I look a certain colour doesn't mean I speak with a particular accent or eat a particular type of food. So ask me, don't tell me. Yeah. Don't assume all of that sort of stuff. But then it's also about you can't be responsible for every individual. Mm. So where you're in a, a leadership role and you can inform and direct then it's your it, it's imperative on you yeah. to to help educate and inform but as an individual working in an environment let's say an open workspace mm. then you're responsible for how you conduct yourself and your response is everything mm. yeah. in how you educate yeah, so definitely. for example and a very quick story mm. after 9-11 I was on a tube traveling into the city and uh Let's call him a gentleman, spat on me. Oh, I was sitting on a tube, spat on, and a, a, a fairly substantial amount landed on my jacket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a, just a bit, but a dollop. Um, nobody else in the carriage did anything about it. Really? And, and various expletives mm. about being a foreigner and probably carrying wow. a bomb and all of this stuff. And all I did was I said, I hope you feel better now. Yeah. And I left it at that mm. because, A, I was clearly on my own in this mm. experience. But also, he was bigger, stronger, and I do have experience of domestic abuse, so I'm aware of which battle to pick. Mm, yeah. And there was nothing I was going to do that was going to change where yeah. he was. But I could make it clear that I wasn't going to drop to his level. Um, and in this particular example, it was a male. But, but regardless, you, you will get those moments of offence, mm. regardless of what shape, size, gender, mm. etc., and it's how you manage it. It's taking that breath mm. and choosing your response mm. rather than reacting. Mm. We're back to I language. Mean. Respond, yeah. not react. And it's almost like we say the um, the whole like bigger picture thing as well. Mm. Thinking, you know, how's actually? I appreciate that we're all human. We can't be thinking about this all the time. Mm. I sure I can't. But thinking about how is this going to really impact? Like you say, sinking to someone's level is not really going to help anything. Totally appreciate that sometimes that's what feels best <laughs> yeah. in the moment you just want to scream at someone. Yeah, but the other thing right. is, is if you're in that environment where you've got a group of people around you who are observing this yeah. interaction, then you, you have, I believe, you have to choose to respond, not react. Mm. Because only that way do you operate within your values and you educate and inform all of those people observing. Yeah. Whereas if I had reacted and, and let rip the stream of vitriol mm. that I'd like to have done mm. all I'd have done is validated his behavior yeah. so so you have to really choose what is the impact yeah. you want mm. to leave and and I know Nojohan was talking about social impact every interaction mm. we have a chance to make a social impact mm. and we have to choose to respond not react in, in a working environment I what I've experienced is that the moment you would always have individuals 
which are usually a smaller percentage, they're not absolutely the minority, not the majority yeah. here, where they will roll their eyes and show body language that they couldn't give you know, flying monkeys about, you know, key values. Is that microaggression that you yeah, were talking exactly, about before? Absolutely. Um, they will event in my experience, they will eventually come on board. Mm-hmm. And two ways to really make sure that happens is that we don't necessarily communicate well enough about all the good stories that are, that are out yes. there to yeah. share. Yep. Do you understand? Yeah, like yeah. by being inclusive and involving this person and open uh, this open up this opportunity to this side of the business, for mm-hmm. example, has allowed us to do A, B, and C. And it goes back to this whole comm strategy stuff. You know, mm-hmm. having being smart enough and being strategic enough to making sure that you have smart targeting comm strategies to wrap around some of the yeah. efforts and agenda that you're trying to push forward around mm. diversity and, and if, inclusion. if you bring that down to individual level mm. we choose our language yes take that extra time before you send that text Absolutely. that whatsapp message that email look at the language mm-hmm. because without tone pace pitch mm-hmm. cadence mm-hmm. you don't know how that's going to be received Absolutely. and going back to your scenario of, of somebody choosing to be disrespectful mm. then that's when you choose how you want to respond to that yeah. And in some cases, you have to simply walk away and choose a different space. And in other times, you'll choose to confront, correct, inform, educate, yeah. whichever yeah. language you want to use on the yeah. day. We teach people how to treat us. Mm. Yeah. So if we are going to respond abrasively, then what you've done is reinforce that that behavior is okay. Yeah. So, exactly. so we, we have to teach people how to treat us consistently. Everything we've discussed so far relies on one thing, an openness to change. Change itself is inevitable, as we well know, but the key to continuing to build a more diverse future for project management is organisations' willingness to accept change and adapt to it. Of course, there are positives and negatives that come with this, so what can we do to ensure we harness the benefits and manage the challenges as best we can? Um, The other day um, at work, we counted up around our senior leadership team table that a lot of the members are going to be retiring in the next five to seven years. So yes. this is all about capacity succession building, planning. succession planning, and workforce planning. And over 200 years worth of experience and knowledge is going to rapidly disappear mm, over, yeah. in, after the five-year mark. So there's a thing around that um, clearly in some industries, there's not enough being done to attract more people within that profession. And, you know, maybe maybe there are studies being done, I don't know, but the point is we, there needs to be something done continuously to try to attract that. And I think moving them up the pipeline. Yes, mm. of course, absolutely. Yeah. Um, to lose over 200, yeah. just over 210 years worth of experience around the table yeah. was really quite shocking when mm. we do, added up and the numbers. And when you think about how many organisations are doing that unconsciously, at yeah. least your team is conscious. Mm. And, yeah. and that's that's part of the issue as well, is that, that consciousness of transitioning mm-hmm. the, the older age groups and the younger Absolutely. age groups, or indeed from different industries. It's not all about age. I think it comes back to recognising the kind of individuality of this or the individuality of certain groups and certain needs. And one of the things we spoke about, like the ageing workforce, but also other groups and flexible working is part of this. And we touched on it earlier. Um, but the fact that we've got all this amazing technology that can allow this... But in some sectors, we still have presenteeism cultures. And so actually, if we start thinking about it, that actually ageing workforce, maybe they don't want to retire or maybe they don't have to retire if there was that more flexibility. 
working mothers but um working dads and actually other caring responsibilities there are lots of people who can work are able to work but perhaps can't do it or don't want to do it but on you the also need to include those with, with mental health yeah. capacity and, and other not, invisible exactly. concerns and needs and drives to to have that flexibility and it's not necessarily aging but departing no. mm-hmm. yeah. because a lot of people um, are choosing to say well actually I don't need this yes. I'm, I'm actually going to step away and do something less stressful mm. stress has been a big thing yeah. particularly in the west and in project management it's yeah. a stressful yeah. it can be a really stressful career yeah choice. and some people thrive on it and yeah. others don't but, but only for a percent you can only do it for so long before you burn yourself out mm. in, in in some environments if you're not in a supportive environment I think it's just a really, um, I think it is exactly that and recognising the different needs and us like following through in action. And actually, I chose to work flexibly before I had children, um, had my child. So actually, it can also be about need and want. Mm -hmm. And in my case, I felt it made me more productive in work because I had a bit more balance outside of it. So I think there are all these different ways, but actually, that's one example that by looking being a bit more innovative Mm -hmm. and a bit more creative that actually we can start appealing to the needs Mm -hmm. of these different groups and then you bring that individuality and creativity back into how we work once you make those one-to-one connections Mm. and people know where you are what you're doing it is almost irrelevant where Mm. you are um blessing and this in disguise Mm. um uh, and there are there are so this is where people's attitudes come in, come into it. So it's it's that mixture. <coughs> it will it will it will balance itself mm. out. So yeah. There will be some people don't like it. Some people well, that's personalities and biases, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. So w- what is the core of it is adaptability. Uh, project management is responding to the change. Is the change management basically? That's that's what you are doing. Yeah, organizational um, change. Uh, you're balancing things out uh, in 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 every aspect. Education, innovation and representation. Three key drivers in the future of project management. Educating ourselves and those that come after us and providing avenues for future generations to become a part of this incredible career and the community that comes with it. Being innovative in our strategies to accommodate everyone, to create the best possible environment for us all that will in turn help businesses to thrive and representation of diversity, be it gender, race, sexuality, age, skill set, style of working even. Like I said, it is by no means a small task, but it is absolutely an achievable one. And it all rides on us embracing and adapting to change. Coming up next time, we're continuing to look ahead. What does the future look like for women in project management? Make sure you're subscribed to find out.